So the smallest and the lowest level of his willpower he has so many forms and types of willpower that there is no ending to his greatest level. No ending. Infinite. But his smallest willpower is greater than time itself. You think you have imagination, creativity? How do you even conceive of this? His smallest willpower is greater than time. Who is saying this? A Sahabi of the Prophet. Showing his love for the Prophet. Explaining to people who the Prophet is. Then how can you be greater than time? Have you thought of that? He regulates time. He controls time. He controls time. That's how you're greater than time. Then what is time? Some people say it's eternity. Well, we don't believe that, obviously. Time is created. So, Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu anhu is showing us that the Sahaba saw that nothing is beyond the ability of the Prophet in terms of him, willpower and determination. Nothing. What's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is we can't be losers. The lesson for us is we can't give up. The lesson for us is we cannot afford to be defeatist. The lesson for us is we can't be last in line. That's the lesson. Because if you are a follower of this Nabi, whose lowest ranking of him and determination is greater than time, then follow him. Why are you conceding to be less than mediocre? Why are you conceding to be the last one? I'm okay, I'll be the last one. Why are you saying I'm a loser? Why do you feel sorry for yourself? Why are you always saying, I'm the victim here, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. Muslims talk about their rights as if they're all victims. All reactionary. The early Muslims followed this line of Himma. And what did they do? They ruled the planet. That's what they did. The amazing stories of victory, intellectual, spiritual, physical, military, economic, social, cultural victories that the Muslims landed wherever they went it is greater than time itself 
Because they represented the Prophet They were a reflection of him That's what Hassan is saying To the Sahaba He's encouraging them in jihad I'm going to promote you I'm not going to jihad myself I'm going to tell you what to do I'm going to blow your trumpet literally Behind the scenes And that's what they did the glory that we ask about the great classical times of Muslim history and civilization is because the Muslim Ummah was a reflection of the Prophet Sallallahu Himmah. Today if we make a noise, we're scared. Even if we protest, we're scared. Even when we demonstrate, we're second best. That's not good. I mean, that, that's not the Prophet. He came as a champion. Right? Not just for political rights and social rights. I'm talking about the deen. In a community that was duped in shirk. And he converted all of them. All of them. In his lifetime. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran. In a surah that is Makki, this was revealed in Makkah. In Makkah, there are barely 100 Muslims at the time of Hijrah. Barely. So, this was revealed in Makkah. Tabarakalladi Nazal al Furqan ala abdihi liyakuna lil alameen nadira. Are you saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the most high and elevated, the one? Who has revealed this Furqan, the criterion on his servant, so that he may be a warner to all the worlds? So, what do you sit there and say, wait a minute, I barely have a hundred Muslims with me, how am I going to do the whole world? And then, all the worlds, plural. You understand? If these eyes revealed, they say to the Muslims of America, that you're going to be the champions of the world. They say, yeah, right. Let me go and party, it's easier. But when this verse was revealed to the Prophet, he didn't squeal. He didn't object. He absorbed it. And then he recited it to the Sahaba, who also didn't squeal. That you're going to be a warner to the whole world and beyond that, all the worlds. This message going to all the worlds in Allah's existence. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. He is Lord of the worlds. And the Rasul is the Nadir for all the worlds. And this revealed in Makkah when there's no one around you. And whether you're scratching your head thinking that obviously you would do if you're a normal leader. If you're a Nabi, then you're going to follow the guidance of all the prophets before you and show that you have himmah and you have courage and you have determination and you're going to fulfill and make good Allah's promise that you will be a nadir, a warner for all the worlds that's what you're going to do you're not going to coil in the corner and say how can I do this and feel sorry for yourself The point is, Hassan bin Thabit, 
radiallahu is saying to the Muslim Ummah that when you describe your Nabi sallallahu describe him with these elaborate exaggerations which are not exaggerations but is for you to be motivated by his personality how can you be a part of this Ummah when you're second best at everything that you touch you can't be like that you have to do much more than that as I mentioned uh, yesterday tell people that Muhammad Sallallahu is the best thing Allah ever created tell people that with a white chest why are you shying away from that it's the truth that's your aqidah tell people he's the most intelligent human being ever share this knowledge with others Show that you have himma and determination like the Prophet like the Sahaba, like the thousand years of Muslims that ruled from Morocco to China. How do you think we ruled if we were second best? You can't rule if you're second best. You can only rule if you're first. It was because here in our minds we were following the Prophet his lead and the lead of the Sahaba that's why anyway so the first couplet talks about the himma the determination and the Prophet has many many forms and layers and levels of himma but this is the lowest level can you imagine what the other levels are <laughs> I would like to give you a sample of that but maybe not then he goes on to say the outward the exterior, the zahir. Lahu yadun. Lahu yadun. Here he uses the singular. That he has a hand. The word hand here is metaphoric, it is majaz. Lahu yadun. Here it means generosity. He has this generosity. That even if one tenth of this generosity, if it was to become a storm, a rainfall, if this was thrown onto the land, then the land would become more wet than the sea. That if this generosity of the Prophet was made into a rainstorm and this rain came upon the land, all the lands, all the continents that we have, then the continents would be more wet. More wet than the sea itself. That's his generosity. So what's he saying to us? Don't be misers. Don't be such a bakhil. That you count everything. You regulate everything. Everything's now checked and balanced. Check and balanced. Check and balanced. You are. 401ks, your retirement, your pensions, your social security, and monthly budget, yearly budget, five-year budget, ten-year budget, twenty-year budget, your children's budget, your grandchildren's budget. 
Generosity has a different meaning in the culture of the Sahaba. They never live for tomorrow. Inconceivable for us, I know. By no means am I saying don't plan. You do what you want to do. I'm just saying that if you ever believe you're like the Prophet, forget about it. You're nowhere near him. And you can't be anywhere near him because he's nowhere near you. You give a thousand dollars here and ten thousand dollars there and if you give a million dollars here and ten million dollars there it adds up to absolutely nothing in front of the generosity of the Prophet Because first of all your generosity definitely is not a shower. It is not a rainfall. Might be a few sprinkles. At best, Hassan bin Thabit is saying the generosity of the Prophet from his hand, Mubarak, what he gives from his hand is like a rainfall. And that rainfall is global, it's all over to all of mankind. One example where the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave every Nabi a dua that he told them I will accept. He said to every Nabi who came, I'm going to give you one dua and I will definitely accept that dua for you. So the Prophet said that all the Anbiya before me made their dua totally halal perfect nothing wrong with it I on the other hand I have reserved this dua for the day of judgment and I will use this dua for my ummah to be forgiven you talk about generosity we're nowhere near that. That's generosity. As I, as I said, the Prophet is multitasking. This is one of his tasks on the Day of Judgment. To deliver Muslims from hell. Muslims today want everybody to go to hell. We make the fear of each other. We condemn each other. We kick each other. We hate each other. And the Rasul says, I'm going to deliver every Muslim from hell. It doesn't matter how long it will take me on the day of judgment, because the day of judgment is long. Thousands of years maybe. Hundred years maybe. We don't know. But as long as I know there's hope for anyone to be delivered from hell, I will stand there in front of Allah and make sure that he is saved. And I will not enter Jannah until that last person enters. You want to talk about generosity and beneficence and being a benefactor of human beings? You think this system does it? You think this civilization is a benefactor of all human beings? You think any system is? You think your education is going to be this generous? 
You think your organization, institutions are going to be this generous? That if one-tenth of his generosity was to fall upon land, the land would be more wet than the sea. One-tenth. One-tenth. The poet says. So I'm saying, my dear brothers and sisters, is that the, 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 the institution of poetry has tremendous wisdom. Uh, as the Prophet himself recognized and acknowledged. When the Fil Hikmati, when the Fil that there is hikmah, wisdom in share in poetry. The Muslims as a civilization and as a cultural value not only engaged but developed poetry to a level which is beyond human endeavors. Everybody talks about Shakespeare as he was the greatest poet. We made a comparison between Rumi and Shakespeare. Rumi and Shakespeare. Rumi composed ten times more poetry than Shakespeare. Ten times more. And you live in this civilization and you have this education and you have English literature and you say, oh wow, well, great. And I say, what about yours? Where's your love for your civilization? Go into your civilization and see the gems that Allah has created in this ummah. So about Marco Polo, oh, his travels, and we go, 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 Marco Polo and read his stories and you see movies about him and you see quotes about him, he did this and he did that. <coughs> then you read Ibn Battuta. Then yeah, you see that Ibn Battuta traveled five times more than Marco Polo. So why, who, who are you glorifying? Do you ever look in the mirror and see who you actually are? That the beauty, the grace, the perfection that this Ummah has is far beyond any civilization in terms of professionalism, in terms of beauty, in terms of ihsan, in terms of grace. That's what the poet is saying. That, oh Muslims, I'm going to compose poetry. And I'm going to give you a piece of reality that is from the Prophet But I want to encourage you to do what he did. And if you can't appreciate that, then perhaps you're not Muslim. So even in our poetry, we excelled. So we see this as part of our tradition, as part of our culture, that honoring the Prophet ﷺ through words is Allah's ni'mah. Some people say, what's the point of honoring the Prophet in words? This is the point. It brings about the genius of the Ummah 
It brings pride into you, into your culture, into your civilization. It makes you want to be Muslim, remain Muslim, and promote Muslim. That's the benefit. Because until you know, you can't do anything. Unless you know. It's not just all talk. Because sometimes talk is good. It's not always cheap. Then you have to read and read and read and then gather the material and then benefit others from that speech. And take this to other people so that other Muslims know that the institution of poetry was an institution and still is an institution that is very alive and thriving and we must appreciate this in our time, in our day, in our culture and then go back and read the poetry. Honor the Prophet through our words. Doesn't hurt to speak good words about the Prophet in front of Allah. Umar sat in the masjid once, right in front of the Prophet's grave. And he started enumerating all the miracles of all the Prophets. This is Umar. This is Umar. As he enumerates all the miracles of each prophet, he brings a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ and then says, Ya Rasulullah, your miracle is greater than this Nabi's miracle. One by one. Look at his thought process. He was a statesman, right? He was a politician, statesman. Not into ishq. <laughs> He's into one plus one equals two. No, no. You got it wrong. They were into everything. And they did everything beautifully and perfectly. They were into everything that is Islamic. See, where did you get the mind? And how did you reach that height that you think about the, the, the mu'jizat, the miracles of the prophets? And then how do you think that I'm going to compare this miracle with the Nabi's miracle, my, my Rasul's miracle, and I see my Rasul's miracle is greater than this miracle. The founder of Darun Dilband wrote a whole book on this. The comparisons of the miracles of the other prophets with the miracles of the prophets, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa He wrote a whole book on Mind-boggling, intellectual, subhanAllah, out of this world. To give you an example, that Musa was able to bring forth water from a rock. Allah said, اِضْرِبْ بِعُسَاكَ الْحَجَرِ فَانْفَجْرَتْ مِنْهُ ثْنَتَا عَشْرَتْ عَيْنَا Strike your staff onto the rock. And the rock will bring forth 12 streams of water for the 12 tribes. So how do you compare this with the miracle of the Prophet? Well, first of all, you have to know the seerah. <laughs> right. You need a little bit of academic knowledge to do this. Just a little bit. Not your regular halqa. A little bit of reading helps. 
So you go into the hadith that I mentioned in Bukhari and other places where the Prophet ﷺ was approached by the Sahaba in a certain battle and they had no water whatsoever and the Prophet ﷺ said, do you have any water? And they said, yeah, we have a small bowl, this big, small bowl of water. And bring it to me. When they brought it to him, he put his fingers Mubarak into the bowl and the water came gushing out of his fingers. And they all drank. And they filled up their water skins. And they gave water to the camels. And there was still plenty left. And they said that the water was still gushing from the finger Mubarak of the Prophet. Now you compare this to the water coming from a rock. A rock is where water does come out from. That's natural. It's a mojizah for Musa at that time, no doubt. But water coming out from your pores? Ah. You see how generous he is? Do you understand? So I'm saying the Muslim Ummah really needs to kick into, uh, well, Wayne Reverski at the moment. It'd be nice if we came into neutral. Uh, and that'd be on a flat surface, not uphill. Uh, because if you're neutral and uphill, you go downwards again. So you have to find a place which is level, pull into neutral so that at least somebody can push us from behind. One day we'll get into first gear. We might get moving too. Huh? But this is the state of the Ummah. Meaning that first and foremost, we must appreciate the scholarship of this ummah that came from the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu the Prophet sallallahu among so many others is the Sahaba themselves. His greatest mu'jiza is the creation of the Sahaba. How do you create such a community? In a lifespan, you can do it. 60 years. He did it in 10 years. He didn't have that in 13 years in Mecca. Obviously, they, they, they were instrumental and foundational for what happened in Medina, there's no doubt. But to create such a community in Medina in that short span of time is more than a miracle. Because no one else in history can never claim that. And no one has claimed that. There are so many followers, thousands of followers uh, at your beck and call. Thousands of followers who almost worship you. When he shaved his hair, Mubarak, at the time of Hajj al-Wida, there was almost a riot to collect the hair, Mubarak. You know, imagine all the herds and herds of people coming. So he said, no, 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 let me do this, let me distribute. So he distributed his hair so there would be no chaos. And you're telling me that you don't love the Prophet I'm this way? Sure you do, we don't read. Therefore we don't know, and therefore we speculate, and therefore we create all this bid'at. Love for the Prophet is nothing, love for the Prophet is nothing, love for the Prophet is nothing, he's a human being. He's not even short-sighted, he's blinded. Everyone's blindfolded, assuming that the Prophet is a, just a human being. He is the best human being, which is what you are not. 
that's why you follow him so now uh, the, the, uh, uh, Sufyan authority when he represented or talked about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he was an un-Muslim in front of Hercules he said I've never seen a group of people who just bend over backwards to collect the wudu water running from his limbs after he makes wudu they're standing there sitting there yeah, so that when the wudu water falls from his hands and his face they're there collecting the wudu water and you tell me this is not ishq this is not love no, this is something just black and white one plus one equals two this is much more than that how do you create such a community and then with that ishq how do you create such a community that's organized because usually when you're in ishq you're in a frenzy right you're in a frenzy. You, these, you see there's a stupid uh, what do you call it uh, these are uh, what do you call them? Uh, music shows, what are they called? Concerts. You see how crazy they are? They don't know whether the sun is there, the moon is there, the land is here. No, uh, upside down. Right? They go through contortions with their music. They have no balance. They're in a frenzy. When you're in a frenzy, how do you maintain your balance? So the point is, when a group of people bend over backwards for the ishq and the love of the Prophet how do you maintain composure and balance and law and order? Well, they don't go together. Which is another miracle. Another mojiza. That despite that ishq for him, he controlled them. He gave them order. He gave them discipline. He gave them organization. He gave them the ability to follow a system. So we must appreciate that the inner and the outer, uh, they are matching with the Prophet ﷺ completely, wholesomely, holistically, and comprehensively. And in our uh, zeal and quest to love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam we must show that we love him there are several steps one is obviously to follow his deen follow his sharia follow his sunnah which is the best way and inevitably it is wajib in everything we do the second is to send salawat upon him constantly continuously when you're walking, when you're lying down, when you're traveling, when you're in the bus, or when you're in the train, or when you're driving, Muhammad. That in itself is love for the Prophet And then thirdly, reading about him. And fourthly, discussing him and his merits. And then finally, if someone dares say anything about him, you defend him. Right? Without reservation. You defend him. That's your job as a Muslim to defend him. You dare say anything about the Prophet. Why did he marry Aisha at this age? I don't care. You defend the Prophet. He did it because Allah wanted him to. Period. Finish. Khalas. End of the discussion. That makes sense? Anyone says anything against him, you defend him. 
verbally. Don't spare any punches. I don't mean that you become violent, I'm not saying that. I'm saying hold your ground and say, you dare say anything against my Nabi, then you'll get it from me. If you're shy, then you're not a Muslim. Your iman is at best shaky. You're coward. You don't have the himma. You don't have determination. You must speak out the truth. It may cost you some relationships. But that's the price you pay for the ishq of the Rasul wasallam. It doesn't matter. You're not saying anything against my Nabi. Ever. That is our responsibility. Now you do it in a polite way. You do it in perhaps an intelligent way. You do it perhaps in an academic way. But you don't shy away from verbally saying that. That's when you know you love the Prophet and invariably there will be times in everyone's life here. I guarantee you everyone here and everyone outside there are going to be times when people will say something about the Prophet and say I don't understand this, I don't believe this, I don't like this. If you don't like him, I don't like you. Period. Finish class. That's the end of my relationship with you. There's no room to negotiate there. Emotionally. <coughs> Otherwise you have a problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, stories and stories of Muslims who have defended the Prophet ﷺ. And the ulama, they defend the Prophet ﷺ. Academically, intellectually, they defend the Qur'an academically, intellectually. And they defend Islam academically and intellectually. But you... You must defend the Prophet ﷺ emotionally. Show people you are emotionally attached to this man. And I'm not attached to you this way emotionally. Show them that. This is something that we must take home with us. So all the great, wonderful, colorful and flowery discussions and descriptions we have from all the poems and the couplets that we have recited tonight is on one side defending the prophet is on the other side you must appreciate that this is a test you can't shy away from a test when you're tested you have to show up <laughs> Muslims back away when they're tested they say, oh, why is this to see and test you which one is the best in action that's the purpose of life so you can say why is Allah testing me he's testing me so that I bring out my iman as I said in a polite way you don't have to be uncouth and rude about it because you're representing the Prophet he was an uncouth or rude you must say but you must say with determination you must say with himma and your himma must be strong your willpower must be strong and people in front of you will see that as a reflection of your love for the Prophet and eventually they'll have to succumb don't play second fiddle and don't be second best in that discussion that's a testimony to your iman and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will appreciate it the Prophet will appreciate it on the day of judgment and he'll be close to you on the day of judgment You'll see that, inshallah, bi'idhnillah. So now, uh, now, context in which we live in the USA. 
We live in this country and invariably uh, we are going to be put in situations where people will come and ask, you know, you're honoring your prophet but he did this and Islam says this and the Quran says this and everything else. So there we cannot afford to be cowards. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you mustn't be cowards. Be straight. Have a spine in you. Stand up and say no. Through your action that I still believe what I believe. And I don't care what you believe. And then tell him it's a free country. You must say this. It's a free country. I can believe what I want. It's in your constitution. That's why this country was created. So I can believe what I want. The purpose of the creation of this country is that they didn't want to be told by others what to believe in. So I'm doing the same thing. I don't want you telling me what to believe in. So if I believe the Prophet is perfect, that's my belief. And you're not going to change that. And I won't allow you to change it either. That is now the, the resilience that's needed in the Ummah here in this part of the world. That resilience is going to keep us going. Inshallah. But if you fall short of that, uh, we're in dire straits. We're already in dire straits. Well, yeah. So, love for the Prophet at different levels, academic, intellectual, poetry, salat, psalms, zakat, hajj, you follow him, and you read the seerah, and you compose poetry, you listen to poetry, or you go to talks where they invigorate you. But at the end of the day, it is how you represent the Prophet that counts the most. In your personal dealings and in your social dealings with people, how do you represent the Prophet ﷺ? That is what matters the most, and uh, we make dua. MashaAllah, this is good news for you. I think this is chai outside. So, right, so you can be invigorated with the chai. Um, we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us, preserve us. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants us the knowledge of the Prophet We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, gives us and uh, showers us with the knowledge of the seer of the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the love for the Prophet May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to represent the Prophet with ease and comfort, uh, with afiyah. Wa tawfiq lima tuhibu wa tarudha. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi. Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi ajma'in. برحمتك يا رحمة الله